Buddy, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 361 of X Lapsed, or uh, maybe we can call it Axe Lapsed today, uh, since we are kicking off uh, at least the prelude to the big summer event of 2022. We're taking a look at the free comic book day offerings from Marvel. We got, uh, well, we have three stories to discuss out of two uh, of the free books here. None of them are very long, so this is probably going to be a fairly quick episode and there really isn't a whole lot to say outside of you know they're they're you know they're putting pieces in place to do some stuff <laughs> and uh, all that stuff will pay off um, in other books somewhere down the line so if you've been listening to this program for any length of time you'll know that uh, I have my opinions on free comic book day I've got a uh, I've got my biases I think it's kind of a, a sham that uh, you know people go into the comic store one day a year so they could take pictures of themselves holding books they're never gonna read just so they can get some clout online. But um, this time out, I've actually got to hand it to the companies here, the big two at least. Um, we're getting actual prologues to big deal stories, stuff that if you are you know, a regular visitor to the comic shop, you're probably going to want these things, just to, even out of curiosity. Like, if you have no interest in the X-Men, the Avengers, or the Eternals, and this is there free, you might pick it up and you might you know, give it a look and enjoy it. Over on the DC side, they had a uh, prelude to the, what is it, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths now. I think they changed the name three or four times because, well, DC is kind of a disaster. But at the end of the day, this is a big story, and folks might actually get something out of it. It's not a thrice-out-of-continuity Harley Quinn special with her posing seductively on the cover. And it actually seems like it's going to matter to a big story uh, coming up very, very soon. Actually, it's already in progress at this point, uh, at the point of this recording. Now, I mean, Free Comic Book Day is what it is. We can't change the fact that people are only going to go to a comic store one day a year. But at least... On the day they go, it looks like Marvel and DC are putting a little bit more effort into it than usual. So, if you want my uh, far deeper <laughs> and far more critical thoughts on Free Comic Book Day, you could check out the episode where we talked about the uh, Exitens, um preview. I think that was episode 110 of this program, maybe 120. I know that we started X of Tens either in episode 111 or 121, so if you wanted it's there, and I mean, nobody's listening to this episode, so I'm probably just wasting my time talking about sending you to another one. Anyway, with all that out of the way, let's get into today's books. Uh, we've got two books, three stories. We're going to start with Free Comic Book Day 2022, colon, Avengers slash X-Men number one. June 2022 cover date, and uh, a very bizarre time, I mean... What do, you, what do you call this? I, I thought it would be, you know, Axe Judgment Day, Prelude, or Avengers, at least have the Eternals name in there, um, unless Marvel's already given up 
on the possibility that the Eternals are going to be a big deal, which is odd, because I tell you what, I mean, this story is very much, you know, Eternals versus X-Men. The Avengers, of course, get first billing because Marvel has, you know, no idea how to promote anything but the Avengers, but um, I'll, I'll stop. Let's get into it here. The story is called Of Deviation and Mutation, written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Dustin Weaver. Colors, Marty Gracia, letters to VCs, Corey Petit, designs Jay Bowen. Edits, Byro Bisa, Brevort, Sabolsky, cover price free. This one was available on May 7th of 2022, and uh, no allegedly about it. I was actually in the store on that day and got it. I actually braved the comic store on free comic book day for the first time in many, many years. And, uh, well, the store was empty, because I got there after noon. And I guess uh, the main motivator for visiting a store on free comic book day is to take a picture of the line outside the door before the shop opens, so like the three or four people who are standing there, so you can make it look like you're part of something, and also that comics retail is uh, thriving, which, hmm. Anyway, into the story. We open with the machine welcoming us to this prologue. They introduce the three groups of players that are going to be involved. We start with the Eternals. They're referred to as the machine's protectors who maintain the Earth and its status quo while curtailing deviance and deviation. The Avengers, they're here to increase sales on this event. Okay, the machine doesn't actually say that, but in honesty, uh, it really doesn't say much about the Avengers either. It's like, oh yeah, they're here too. Finally, we have the X-Men, and the image we see is of the original Five and Professor X. We learn that the mutants have been a complication for the Eternals for, well, a little while now. Just shy of a million years, in fact. As such, we are swept away into Flashback Land where we see Druig and Uranos inviting Odin into a forest community of, quote, thinky monkeys, which is to say monkeys with rudimentary psychic abilities. Now, these Eternals have invited Odin here, so he might inform his team of Avengers. And of course, those are those BC Avengers, because of course there were BC Avengers. And you know, Marvel's making it harder and harder for me to ignore the fact that there are BC Avengers here. I'd like to pretend they don't exist, but they're being <laughs> they're being tied into everything. Anyway, Druig and Uranus are there. They're telling Odin that they're here to wipe these monkeys out. Now, Odin doesn't so much object to this, as he simply points out that these thinky monkeys are they're just mutants, you know, they're not deviants. And Uranus gives him a bit of the potato-potato before they incinerate the lot of them. From here, we jump way, way ahead to recently, where the Avengers are faced off with a monstrosity that I'm sure we're supposed to assume is a deviant. It's uh, worth noting that Carol Danvers has like a crew cut here, which doesn't clear up where this scene might fit into continuity, since, I mean, even over a decade after she became Captain Marvel, her hairstyle changes every third panel. Still, uh, the Avengers wail away at this beast, then Eternals Icarus and Cersei show up to help out. They say excess deviation before plowing into this poor defenseless monster. When the dust settles, Cersei explains to Cap and Iron Man that the big baddie was a deviant who was suffering an out-of-control mutation. Which, I don't think they've used mutation yet when describing deviants, but it sure helps this story come together, doesn't it? Cersei says that snuffing this kind of thing out is encoded into the Eternals' DNA. Then the machine asks some questions. Those questions are, what is deviation and what is mutation? Good questions, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about those in just a bit. First, scene shift to Krakoa. Now we're at the hatchery in Arbor Magna, where Cyclops has just been resurrected out of a gold ball. Now we might assume that this is following his death at the hands of Dr. Stasis in... 
what was it, X-Men number six in that flashback? Uh, maybe. Or maybe it's just, you know, any of the times they've killed him off-panel because life and death don't mean a thing anymore, don't you know? Anyway, as this scene plays out, we can see that it's being observed by the eternal hitman, Jack of Knives, or Jack of Blades, or whatever the hell his name is, and he's hiding away in the shadows. Or, you know, he's kind of in that predator type of thing where he kind of blends in to the background, you can't see him. Anyway, time passes and Jack reports into Druig that the mutants have beaten death. He refers to them as having become eternal. Druig corrects him, claiming that they are not eternal, they're simply immortal. The question is once again raised as to the difference between mutation and deviation, which will take us right into the Judgment Day event, and we will eventually get there on the show. Now that is our lead-off story, and um, really don't have a whole heck of a lot to say about it, since uh, this is one of those weird situations where I kind of know what's coming next. Or I actually, I completely know what's coming next. If you're listening to the um, Weird Dose of X over at the Weird Science Network, you'll know that... Uh, Jason and I are covering the Judgment Day event as it comes out. So I have been following along with it. I've been reading it and uh, engaging with it. So I kind of know where it's headed. So it's hard for me to kind of separate, you know, what I would have thought back in early May, you know, a few months away from the story kicking off here. So it's hard for me to separate the Chris of the spring with the Chris of the summer. But um, let's try our best. Uh, as far as a free comic book day offering is concerned, this was pretty good. You know, uh, this, it, I mean, it doesn't give you, like, the full explanation as to what the Eternals are, or what the X-Men are, or why the Avengers are even here. But it gives enough to where, if you're, it's enough to whet your appetite, you know? Uh, questions like, is mutation deviation, seem very simple. On the face of it, right? But there are also questions that, as far as I can tell, haven't been asked before. I know during the Manifest Destiny era of X-Men, there was an Eternal series that did tie in for a couple of issues. Though it's been probably 15 years since I've read it, so I couldn't tell you if questions of mutation versus deviation uh, were, were raised then. There was also the... The new Eternals one-shot around the turn of the century where they kind of tied things in with Apocalypse. And uh, that's when they, what was it? I think it ended with the Eternals becoming a superhero team. Like a literal superhero team uh, called the New Breed, which was very, very silly and didn't didn't go anywhere. But I do like the question. I like that it's being used as the, uh, as the basis for this uh, upcoming event, which... Having read some of the event, it's not the worst thing in the world. In fact, it's it's pretty good. It's it's some good stuff. Um, but I can't help but feel that I mean, it's a Marvel event in current year, so it's bloated, wildly bloated. Way too many parts. Way too many moving parts. I feel like had this been framed, I mean, I'm just some idiot with a microphone. I'm not in charge of counting any beans for any companies, so I can't speak to this from the financial angle or the marketing angle. I just feel like, had this been framed as a simple crossover, you know, just uh, let's tie some X-Men books in with some Eternals books, have them cross over for a few months, keep the Avengers on the fringes, don't, they don't really need to be front and center the way they are, and again, I've only read, you know, the first few issues of the crossover, so maybe, you know, at the, at the other end, it'll all make sense why they're doing it the way they're doing it, but as of now, that's, I mean, I can only speak to now. I feel like this is a an event needing a story rather than a story needing an event. 
you know, keep it simple, and I think we could have had something really, really special. And instead, I feel like come November or December, whenever this thing finally finishes up, we're going to be left with those pangs in our belly that we spent way too much money, way too much time and effort telling a story that uh, that could have been told in a more expedient and far less expensive sort of way. And again, just an idiot with a microphone. I don't know nothing, you know, about no financials. <laughs> and uh, and as such, I have zero incentive to try and, uh, well, you know, fleece <laughs> the loyal readership out of their hard-earned money. But, um... That's our first story. Let's uh, let's get into story number two here. This is called Let's Talk About Krakoa. It's included in the same Avengers slash X-Men freebie. Written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Lali. Colors Rain Barreto. Letters VCs Clayton Cowles. Edits Amaro White Sobolski. Now we open with a page of exposition about Krakoa. How in a thousand years, mutants may very well rule the world. And how that cannot... Be allowed to happen. Hmm. Any guesses who's delivering these lines? Maybe someone who should have been left on the shelf for a bit? Hmm. Yeah, we'll get there. But first, a word from our sponsor, Mutant Magic Meds. We shift over to a Channel 3 news broadcast where Mary Jane Watson and her Aunt Anna, which is very hard to say, and Aunt Anna, uh, they're appearing as ambassadors of Krakoan Pharma. Eh? Okay. Uh, MJ reveals that Aunt Anna wasn't doing so hot till she took those meds. And now she's like a brand new woman or something. The next few pages feature the X-Men fighting the Avengers. Oh, and Carol Danvers's hair is now down to her waist. Not that that matters. Moira, oh, I mean, our narrator, informs us that mutants are not heroes. Instead, they are, quote, evolutionary deviants, unquote, who must be stopped. It's kind of weird how we go, like... What, just about 60 years without referring to X-Men as deviants? I mean, if Marvel hadn't weaseled the movie rights back from Sony or Fox or whoever, I might suggest that this was their way of getting around their cinematic mutant problem. Anyway, from here, we shift back to Mary Jane as she takes Aunt Anna home. We find out that MJ is going to be headed to the Hellfire Gala. Oh, you didn't know? There's going to be a Hellfire Gala. To which I think we're supposed to say, Squee! I wonder what kind of gown MJ's going to wear. We wrap up with the reveal that our narrator was, in fact, Maura McTaggart, and she's in Aunt Anna's house. She's in the house. But who was phone? Um, Anyway, she KOs MJ, and we find out that she'll be wearing her to the gala. Hopefully not the same way she wore Banshee through the Krakoan gateway. Though I suppose we're going to have to put a pin in that and uh, play the old wait-and-see game. So, um, that was our second story. And I gotta say, you know, I I gave these books a lot of crap last year about just how damn often they kept mentioning the Hellfire Gala. And I mean, I, I still make jokes about it where it's like, we've got Storm saying, oh no, Orcus is coming, and I have to be fitted for a dress. You know, it's stupid crap like that. But um, I will hand it to them. This year, they kind of they kind of pulled back on it. In in several different ways. Uh, we don't get too many mentions of it in the lead-up. We're not getting, you know, info page upon info page of Jumbo Carnation telling people that they have to be fitted for a tux or something, so that's good. And also, it's being relegated to a simple one-shot, which is probably what it should have been the first time around, too. Not a 12-part <laughs> fake-ass event. This is much better this way. It is a gigantic one-shot. It's something like 8 or $9, which... 
I suppose when we finally get there, we'll be able to discuss whether it's even worth half of that. But um, for now, let's try and remain optimistic here. I feel like every step forward for these books, insofar as alleviating the bloat, is something that should be celebrated. So taking the Hellfire Gala, which was a ridiculously overblown event last year, and making it a more more bite-sized, relatively speaking, sort of a situation... I think that's something that Marvel should be commended for because there's no reason for them to do it that way. They could have made this another 12 or 16 parter for that matter, and uh, those of us who are loyal and have the addiction would have, uh, you know, we would have bought it all the same. Overall, though, not not much more to say about this one. This is definitely moving pieces into position here. We've got uh, Moira being reintroduced again. We've got MJ being introduced into the uh, into the storyline here, which I'm guessing we will see play out in the Hellfire Gala uh, one-shot. There's also, I think, one or two issues of Amazing Spider-Man that'll be technically Hellfire Gala tie-ins, so I'm guessing we'll see it play out there, and of course we will cover those episode, those issues here on the show. Now overall, as a story, I think we come away from this one with a uh, thumbs up, so that's a good thing here. Two good stories, we got one more to go, and this one wasn't even in the same issue. This is an odd one, one I didn't expect that we'd have to cover here on the show. It's a quickie, but it's good, it's good. This one is going to come out of Free Comic Book Day 2022, colon, Spider-Man slash Venom number 1, June 2022, cover date. The story is Lost in the Mail, written by our friend Zeb Wells, with pencils by John Romita Jr. Inks Scott Hanna, colors Marcio Menez, Letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna, edits, Lindsay Kohick, Katine McGahee, Nick Lowe, and C.B. Sabolsky. Cover price is, of course, free. And this one, just like the other, was available on May the 7th of 2022. Now, like I said, this is a very, very quick, <laughs> very, very quick one here. Uh, now, in this story, a man goes to drop a letter in a mailbox. Now, that mailbox comes to life as a demon and tries to eat him. Spidey swings in to fight the mailbox. And uh, he beats it up until the demon vacates. There's a problem here, because uh, as he is beating the hell out of this poor defenseless mailbox, a postal worker happens along. And so the letter carrier decides to call the police and report Spidey, who uh, is hanging out for a bit until he realizes, oh, wait a minute, I can (laughs) leap away whenever I like. So he does just that. Our story ends, yes, it ends already, with the revelation that this demon-inhabited mailbox was due to the enchantment of... Madeline Pryor, who was working alongside Ben Riley in his all-new Chasm persona. Now, this whole Ben Riley is Chasm situation is something I am very uh, ignorant to. I, I, if you follow this channel, you'll know I started a show called Weblapsed uh, last. Actually, it was last Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day. I had uh, put the first episode of that out, and I had planned to cover the entire Beyond era of uh, Amazing Spider-Man. And the thing of it was, uh, while I was kind of shoulder-deep in the Spider-Man books, my dog passed away. And so I kind of have a weird connection with these books now, so I I couldn't revisit them. And I certainly couldn't talk about them. I don't know. I mean, I I could say I don't know what it was, but I know what it was. (laughs) I know why I can't do that. Um, So Ben changing into Chasm... I don't know anything about that. I will try to do my due diligence on that. And I am still buying all the Spidey books, so when this story with Maddie and Ben comes back around, we will, of course, discuss it here. Because, I mean, it's Zeb Wells writing Maddie Pryor again, which, 
over in Hellions, we absolutely loved that. So um, definitely looking forward to seeing how it plays out here. Uh, how are they going to square this with what's going on in New Mutants? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's a whole different editorial office, so probably the smart money's on. They're not even going to try. <laughs> it's just going to be one of those things where two stories just so happen to be occurring at the same time, and we're just supposed to accept it and not really question it. And I mean, that's not ideal, but it is just what comics are right now. Um, we are long past the days of Wolverine taking a break from the X-Men so he can be, you know, the star of his own miniseries. We're not, we're not going back to those days, no matter how badly we might want to. So we will keep our fingers crossed that this plays out in a spectacular way. I mean, it's, it's Zeb and Maddie, which rocked my socks last time, so here's hoping they do it again. So those are our three X-Men and X-Men adjacent stories from this year's free comic book day offerings. Um, all told, I gotta tip my hat to Marvel here. They actually put out, they actually put some effort <laughs> into their free comic book day stuff this year, which the big two just don't do that very often. Uh, out of fear of looking like gatekeepers to the non-readers, the people who are never, ever going to read comics with regularity, those are the people who are usually appealed to on free comic book day. So it's nice to see that the loyal retail customer of these comic shops is being rewarded with stories that do or will eventually matter. And I mean, you guys know me, I, I like to kvetch about a lot of things in current year comics, but seeing something like this where the actual readers, the actual people, the people who actually put money on the counter every single week are finally getting something that they can kind of sink their teeth into with a free comic book day offering. So thank you to Marvel, thank you to the shops, and thank you to all the creators involved for uh, actually putting their best foot forward with these offerings. But I think that's about all I got to say about these three little stories here. But before we go, let's hop into the mailbag to check in with our pal Evan, who's talking about Legion of X number one. Now he says, I've been looking forward to this one. It's the only X title I'm getting as it comes out because Way of X was so great, second only to Hellions. And we get a maggot sighting. All too brief, but I'm sure this is just part of the slow burn that started in The Children of the Atom. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, the first issue had a lot of promise, bringing in Juggernaut and that other guy whose name I can't recall. I actually think I learned about Forget-Me-Not from X-Lapsed. If I heard of him before, well, I guess I forgot. And hey, I guess you do learn things from this program. Who, who would have thunk it? <laughs> you do learn things from X-Lapsed. And yes, we do get a maggot appearance here, and you were the first person I thought of when I saw the back of Maggot's head there. And I'm sure you know this since you are a um, Marvel Unlimited guy, but uh, I guess Maggot is, uh, or had, like a five or six part story in the digital X-Men Unlimited series, which we'll hopefully eventually get to here on the show. I kind of... Really fell behind on the Unlimited stuff. Uh, I think I'm something like 20-something chapters behind. So, I mean, that's that's a lot of shows here. If we were doing this daily, still it would be a month of just X-Men Unlimited. So, I can't make any promises, but hopefully. <laughs> maybe we'll restructure. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll do those in, like, big clumps, since they're so short anyway. We'll... We'll see. There are no rules here. You know, if, if anybody wants me to do that, definitely let me know. Um, otherwise, you know, we can keep doing the way we're doing here, where we do one chapter of X-Men Unlimited, and then we take something random as kind of a backup story. You know, we had the Jeff the Landshark stuff. We did, uh, I think we did a Pizza Dog, The Lives of Wolverine, which I think we still have like five chapters of that to do. But, uh, yeah, we'll get there. 
But back to uh, Legion of X here, which uh, def definitely has a lot of promise here. I enjoyed that first issue, and it definitely feels like a really good follow-up to the Way of X series. Um, very good season two type of an opener there. Uh, Evan continues, This issue didn't feel as clear and complete as the installments of Way of X, but maybe that's a product of Spurrier having an open-ended opportunity to tell stories, or at least get closer to double digits. I know how it pans out from here, but no spoilers. So Evan has read ahead. He mentioned that he is buying this as it's coming out. I have only covered the first issue, and actually, next issue, next episode, I should say, is Legion of X number two. So I am slowly but surely catching up to you there. Um, now, I agree. It didn't feel as clear and as complete as the installments of Way of X, but I think that is by design. I feel like Way of X... Each issue had a, uh, it was episodic in a way, where it's like, okay, you know, today's secret word is kill no man, and we have to explore that law. Then it's, okay, the next episode is, or the next issue is about uh, make more mutants. And so we really dig in on that one Krakoan law and uh, try to poke holes in it, see where it works, see where it doesn't work. That's what Way of X's mission statement, at least to me, I think that's what it was. It was to flesh out... These, you know, these laws that we got uh, basically shorthand of It was just like, hey, here's a very, very nebulous line That we're going to adhere to Without thinking about potential consequences uh, Just the realistic nature of, you know, what is Make More Mutants And what does that look like And how does that play out I think that's what Way of X was all about Where this one definitely looks like it has more potential in as far as longevity you know, Way of X, we added to our crew every single time out. We had Lost come in. Fabian Cortez had his redemption arc. Uh, Dr. Nemesis. I think we were more about building our team here. And though with Legion of X, we have that team. And we could do further exploration of some of these Krakoan... These problematic and challenging Krakoan tenets. As far as it getting into the double digits... I'm not going to hold my breath on that one um, Now Evan continues And I don't remember which episode this was That we discussed this I think it was I think it was the Wolverine issue uh, The first Wolverine Deadpool team-up issue Evan says Also, on the subject of slabbing and grading comics I've long blamed Wizard Magazine for this But I'm not qualified to call myself Any kind of comic historian Fake butt or not but in my memory, Wizard started pushing the grading at the same time Wizard, or its publisher maybe, owned a grading company. Conflict of interest for a popular price guide much? But maybe I have it wrong. Now, if I'm remembering right, I don't think you're wrong there. Uh, Wizard was the first place I saw comics grading advertised. And yeah, they... Mm, conflict of interest, uh, Wizard was kind of... Uh, they were, I think they were kind of upfront about that, which, I, I mean, you, when you're scamming someone and, like, you're wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm scamming you, it's hard to get mad at anyone but yourself for falling for it. And I think for all of Wizard's lifetime, they were playing a con on us. It's, uh, I, you know, I loved Wizard Magazine when I was a kid, and I have a whole lot of nostalgia for it even now, but, um... Yeah, they were they were trying to be the straw that stirred the drink for the industry, and for a long time, they were. I think the simple fact that they were in print, you know, on the shelf at a comic book store, gave them this uh, credibility that maybe they didn't quite deserve or actually earn. But uh, fact was, what Wizard said, we believed, because 
what they said ultimately became the truth. You know, the one the one example I always go back to is following the death of Superman, where it was rumored that Doomsday's first appearance was in one of the chapters of Panic in the Sky. It wasn't. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. And if anybody at Wizard was actually reading the Superman books at the time, they would know that because it was obvious. But they put that in there in their, you know, Newswatch or Comics Watch section, and suddenly that issue of Superman, or Action Comics, I think it was, blew up in value. It had nothing to do with the story, but because Wizard said, hey, maybe, it blew up in value. And at the same time, or around the same time, uh, Wizard suggested that uh, DC would get out of the death of Superman by saying that... Superman didn't actually die, it was actually a sand version of Superman from a Superman special by Walt Simonson that kind of retold the whole Kryptonite No More story for a more, you know, modern, contemporary 90s reader, I suppose. But uh, all the same, the price blew up on it. So Wizard, yeah, like him or hate him, they did control a lot of the narrative in as far as what was going to be hot, what was not going to be hot, and... As comics became less and less of a commodity, they had to kind of shift gears here and uh, commodify it once again by putting it under glass or under plastic, I suppose. I will forever maintain that slabbing, you know, current yearbooks is a waste of resources, a waste of time, and a waste of money. But um, I'm also someone who is very pig-headed and is willing to fight and die on very, very stupid and silly hills. So take that for whatever you will. I remember when Wizard announced that they were going to be closing up shop, I I think it was 2009, 2010 or so. I know it came down like a ton of bricks. Like, it seemed like one week they were closing down one magazine, then the next week the next magazine went down, and then finally at the, you know, a month or two later, it's like, okay, we're just going to close shop. I was a part of a very curmudgeonly, um, believe it or not, a very curmudgeonly message board at the time where... People were really, really celebrating the fact that Wizard was, uh, you know, going, you know, the way of the dodo. And I was one of the junior members of this forum, so I was probably the only one there who had uh, uh, nostalgia for Wizard. You know, Wizard was part of my formative years as a comic collector, whereas I think a lot of the folks there got into comics in the 70s and 80s. So they saw, you know, the coming of Wizard and the coming of the Speculator era as kind of a death knell for their fandom. You know, as fandom, no matter how small the generations of fans get and become and will become, there is still a generational sort of aspect to it. Much of it is framed by outside things, you know, like right now it's movies, TV shows, video games, stuff that I really don't want to be part of comics, but I can't fight it. You know, it is what it is, and I just find myself relegated to the prior generation, or maybe two generations back, in as far as my, you know, fandom sweet spot is uh, concerned. Or maybe wheelhouse, because sweet spot sounds kind of gross. So we'll say wheelhouse. But where was I? Oh yes, a uh, wizard magazine here. Um, I was sad when it was, when it was cancelled, when it went away. I'm actually shocked that we're here over a decade later and there hasn't been an attempt to bring it back yet. I would have sworn that they would have tried to bring it back at least once between then and now, but uh, so far, no. Nothing yet, at least not that I know of. I mean, there could be some machinations that I'm not aware of, because I am very, very out of the loop, like, on purpose. (laughs) I don't want to know a lot of this stuff, so uh, for all I know, there could be a uh, revival in the works, even as we speak. 
Anyway, Evan wraps up with, I'm with you. I can understand wanting to do it, as in slabbing, in certain circumstances, but I want to read my comics. And maybe use the money I would spend on getting them graded to buy more comics. Or, perhaps, food. (laughs) And, uh... I agree 100%. I would rather own an issue out of the quarter bin than one that's slabbed and on the wall. You know, I want I want to have comics. I want to read comics. I want to flip through comics. I want to enjoy comics. I want to discuss comics. I don't want to have something behind plastic that's, you know, stacked in a box somewhere that I can't even appreciate. Now, as I said back when we talked about it the first time, and I'll say it again now... I will co-sign a thousand percent if there's a comic out there that is so special to you that you want to have it preserved under plastic, you want to have it there where nothing can ever happen to it, by all means, do it, have it, enjoy it. You know, um, I'm nobody to tell people how to celebrate their fandom, of course, but I mean, there are books that are very special to me as well, and there are books that I would consider having slab just for the simple fact that this is a very special book. This is a book that, maybe without this book, I wouldn't be a comic book fan. Maybe it's a book that takes me back to a very special time in my life. Maybe it brings back or evokes memories of a time I'd like to revisit. You know, that's those are reasons why I think slabbing isn't altogether a bad thing. Where it becomes a problem to me is just how many 9.6s do we need, right? I've seen comic shops load entire shipments of their current week books into another box so they could send it to be slabbed, send them all to be slabbed. It's like, what do, you, what do we get out of that? You're not helping the industry. You're not helping anybody. If anything, you're hurting the ability for people to glom onto that story, that issue, that series, by putting it under plastic. And rationally, I think a lot of people understand that. A lot of the people doing it understand that, but that's not what it's about anymore. Right now it's about getting as much money as quickly as possible because... I think a lot of people think the bottom's about to fall out. It's also folks who were not around for the comic crashes of past decades, who don't realize that gimmicks are basically a band-aid dipped in poison. You'll keep the thing alive for a little while, but uh, eventually it's going to die. And there's also the situation that we're in now with uh, this uh, nouveau speculation. You know, we're not... We're not speculating on first appearances so much anymore, or new characters anymore, or big events anymore. We're speculating on what's going to be the next thing that a streaming service is going to pick up. Because, hey, if you really get into Paper Girls, the TV show, you're definitely going to want a slabbed version of the first issue on your wall or in a box somewhere. Sure, that makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Anyway, I think (laughs) I've droned on quite enough about slabbing. But uh, thank you so much, Evan, for writing in to chat us up about Legion of X and also to facilitate that that weird wizard and slabbing rant of mine. If anyone out there would like to get a hold of me about uh, any of these comics or any things in comics or just to tell me what the weather is in your neck of the woods, I encourage you to do so. All the contact information is in the show notes. Uh, You can also visit chrisisoninfiniteearths.com or check out the complete audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com anywhere you find noise on the internet. But I think that's about all I got for you today. I would like to thank you all so much for choosing to spend a little bit of your time with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya!
Yeah.